So I was talking with a friend of mine recently, and he was telling me about this um, funeral that he participated in uh, overseas. It was in Europe, and uh, I think it was Church of England. And the priest asked him, uh, he was participating in uh, officiating the funeral, and the priest asked him, well, what will you be doing? And he said, well, I'm just going to read a scripture and then say a prayer. And the priest said, well, what prayer will you be praying? And my friend said, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to pray. And so when the priest got up then to introduce my friend, he said, uh, Pastor Tom is here today. He's going to read a scripture, and then he's going to pray a prayer that's never been prayed before. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was mysterious uh, and, and kind of cool. But I think it's also just as cool uh, when we pray together as the body of Christ, prayers that have been prayed for thousands of years. And uh, so today for our offertory prayer, uh, we're going to pray a prayer that was prayed by St. Anselm back around, what year was that? So that's him. That's not a photograph, as you can tell. But as best we can tell from our prophetic art team, this is what he looked like. And, uh, and, and he was the Archbishop of Canterbury for a season, and he's credited with uh, the idea or, or developing the idea of uh, satisfactory atonement. In other words, that, uh, that the cross satisfies the wrath of God. Uh, he, he developed that and explained that apparently better than it had been explained by others. So we can thank him for that. So we're going to pray a prayer that he wrote and prayed. So why don't you stand? Uh, we're going to receive an offering after this. So uh, after this declaration or after this prayer, you can grab a basket up there at the left, the end of the left hand rows, and you can pass those after we pray. So prayer of St. Anselm. Lord, because you have made me, I owe you the whole of myself. Because you have promised so much, I owe you my whole being. I pray you, Lord, make me taste by love what I taste by knowledge. Let me know by love what I know by understanding. I owe you more than my whole self. Draw me to you, Lord, in the fullness of your love. I am wholly yours by creation. Make me all yours in love. Amen. Not bad, eh? For a guy a thousand years ago. All right, y'all can pass those. I just got back uh, from England. I was there for nine days, and it was rainy. And all I could think about every day as I walked in the rain was, man, I can't wait to get back to Georgia (laughs) where it never rains. Yeah. I'm going to say one other thing. Are the Thomases here? Y'all, did y'all see these cards on the... We're trying to get rid of the Thomases. <laughs> They've been in this church long enough, and we just want to ship them overseas. No, we, we love the Thomases, uh, but God has put a call in their heart to go to Scotland. 
uh, and partner with some really good friends of ours. Actually, the person that they're going to be partnering with is the guy who prayed the prayer that's never been prayed before. And uh, so uh, grab one of these cards and, and pick a time that you can come and hear uh, what God has put in their heart and pray about how you can support them. So grab one of those, take it home with you today. So what, what if I told you, uh, what if I were to tell you today that I knew a guy or, or at least knew of a guy who had been taken by the Lord into a different dimension and told secrets and, and, and had been told by the Lord that he couldn't tell those secrets, that he had to just keep them to himself. And then he said to us, I've been told secrets, but I'm not going to tell you what they are for two reasons. Number one, God told me not to. And number two, I don't want to brag. Would you think I was crazy? Would you believe me? Would you know who it was? It was Paul. It was Paul. He talks about it in Corinthians. Uh, he says this way in 2 Corinthians 12. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. Paul says it this way. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. Was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Now, I'll say that just to say that I don't want any of us to position ourselves in that place where anything that seems a little bit strange or weird, we just shut ourselves off from. Because honestly, we have no problem believing that because it's in the Bible. But if somebody, you know, if we invited a speaker in and they stood up here and said, hey, I know this guy, you know, he, he went to third heaven and God told him secrets, but we can't tell you what they are. We would go, where did you get this guy? And why are you letting him preach in your church? Because he's nuts. And so I want to say that this thing that we've been called into and this relationship that we've entered into with the Lord is, is supernatural. And, and if it's supernatural, that means that from time to time, it's not going to feel very natural, right? And even at times, it may seem weird. 
And we have to get okay with that. Now, I believe that heaven longs to invade earth. I do. I, I believe that the picture in heaven, if we could see it right now, the picture in heaven would be of, of the angels and, and even of the sun just with their foot on the starting block, just waiting for the Father to give the signal. That they long to invade the earth. And, and the truth is, if you think about the things that we know about heaven, we could use a little of that, right? We know that in heaven there's no sorrow, there's no weeping. We know that in heaven there's only joy and peace from the Holy Ghost. We, we know that the picture in heaven is one of, of tranquility, it's one of unity, and boy, could we use that. And my, my belief, and, and based on what I read in God's word, is that heaven longs to invade the earth. Only the Father knows the appropriate time. And so until then, we wait and we seek to obey and we look for thin places. Thin places. Celtic Christians believed that heaven and earth were three feet apart. Three feet. Like a yardstick. Wouldn't it be great to believe that you could, you know, if your arm was long enough, you could just actually reach into heaven. They believed that heaven and earth were three feet apart and that there were places on the earth where that distance, that three-foot distance collapsed. And heaven invaded earth. And they called those places the thin places. The thin places. Thin places are the places where uh, the presence of God is more easily engaged and encountered. Uh, truth is, when we gather here on Sunday mornings, we pray that this would be a thin place. We pray that when we gather together corporately, that, that this place, this Riverstone place of worship, would, would be a thin place, a place where, where that three-foot separation just collapses and heaven enters into this building, in this room. In Genesis 28, uh, Jacob is on his way uh, to Padam Haran, and he has an encounter, has a dream, and he sees in his dream the stairway, the stairway to heaven. He wrote a song about it later, but he saw, <laughs> he saw this stairway to heaven, and, and he sees angels going up and down, right? And then at the top of, the, of this stairway or this ladder, he sees the Lord. And the Lord says to, to Jacob some unbelievable things. He makes some promises to him. And he says, you know, this is going to happen and your people are going to do this. And, and your, your descendants are going to be a blessing to all the nations. And your, you know, your descendants are going to be as, as many as the grains of, of dust on the ground. And, and, and just these incredible promises. And then the, maybe the best part of the promise, he says, and I'm going to be with you. He said, I'm going to be with you, and I'm never going to leave you until everything I've promised happens. Until everything I've promised happens. And then so Jacob wakes up. And when he wakes up, this is what he says in Genesis 28, 16. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. How awesome is this place? 
This is none other than the house of God. And then, and then Jacob says this, this is a gate to heaven. He could have just as easily said, this is a thin place. This is a thin place. Thin places bring transformation. And, and you look at the life of Jacob, and he's really never the same again after this encounter. Thin places bring transformation in us so that they can birth transformation through us. Uh, Bill Johnson says this, the question for every believer is whether we will be satisfied with only a partial transformation or whether we will be so captivated by who he is that we allow him to kill everything in us that would inhibit us from becoming a mature manifestation of Christ. If you've, if you've been around me for long and, and you've listened to me much, you know that I love encounter. I love encounter. I, I love what happens when God pulls back the curtain and, and just says, experience me in a way that, that maybe you don't every day. Just a, an unusual encounter with the manifest presence of God. I, I love it. I don't just love the moment of it. I love the anticipation of it. I love the anticipation that I have. I love the fact that I live in the belief that I will continue to have encounters of that nature on a regular basis for the rest of my life until Jesus comes back. I, I love that. I love the anticipation of the next one. But maybe the thing I love most about encounter is not the moment or the, or the expectation, but the thing that I love about the encounter most is that it, it changes me. It changes me. Every time I have an intimate encounter with the Lord, it changes me. And, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's you as well. I, I need changing. I need to be changed. I need to be more like him. Uh, when Jacob encountered the Lord, he became Israel. I mean, it's a drastic change. The Lord even gave him a new name. So when Jacob encounters the Lord, he became Israel. When Saul encountered the Lord, he became Paul. So obviously, intimate encounters change us. They can even change our identity. That's how important they are. And so the question becomes, how do, how do we position ourselves for encounter? If we want to encounter the Lord in life-changing ways, how, how do we position ourselves for encounter? And, and I would say in, the, in one sense, we can't. In one sense, we can't because more often than not, encounters happen by divine initiative. Divine initiative. You think about Jacob. Jacob wasn't pursuing God. When he encountered the Lord, he was actually running away. He was running away from his brother because he thought his brother was going to kill him. So he's actually running away from something when he runs into God. What was Paul doing? Paul wasn't exactly pursuing God, was he? 
Paul was going around killing people. He was going around gathering up Christians and, and having them killed and thrown, thrown into prison and killed when he encountered the Lord. And so, on the one sense, we recognize that encounter, oftentimes, I would say even more times than not, encounter, the kind of encounter I'm talking about, happens by divine initiative. And even when you, it's the last thing you want. You may be running away from it. You may be dead set against it. God has a way of pursuing you and overtaking you. When I was 18 years old and a freshman in college, the last thing on my mind was God. The last thing on my mind was God. I, I was living the life. I was in college. I was in a fraternity. I was going to class every now and then or, or less. We were having parties. We had discovered that life was free, we thought. And I was surprised by God. I was surprised by God, and he radically changed my life. I had three best friends in, in high school. The four of us did everything together. Their names were Greg and Jeff and Bryce. And the four of us were together all the time. We did everything together. Now, Bryce, uh, who was actually my best of best friends, uh, Bryce, uh, he told me that they got together after I became a Christian the three of them got together and they drew straws and he lost. And so he had to come to me and say, hey, you know, we love you. We respect you. We respect the decision that you've made, but you're just not fun anymore. And in fact, you make us feel really guilty. And so we're not going to hang out with you anymore. And uh, so my three friends were gone. Fifteen years later, I got a phone call in the night from Bryce to tell me that he had given his life to the Lord. And he said, I, I didn't know who else to call but you. Last Friday, Friday a week ago, uh, I was in England. I got a message that Bryce's son had had a heart attack and died, 29 years old. 29, had a heart attack and died. And so I flew in on Sunday, and Monday morning got up and drove to Alabama for the funeral. And uh, Bryce said, Bryce said, I'm really, I'm really glad you're here. I need to talk to somebody, and I need to talk to somebody that I don't have to confess my sins to. And you, I don't have to confess my sins to you because you already know them all. But in that funeral service, uh, the Campus Crusade uh, staff person from, from Auburn, who was Bryce's son's best friend in high school, he, he read the last text that he got from Bryce's son. And this is what it said. It's all Christ. Everything is Christ. It's all about him. And all for his glory. Thin places. Thin places transform us so that we can birth transformation 
in other places. And who knows? Who knows? It's been 42 years since I gave my life to Christ. But on Monday, I got to hear fruit from what God had done in me through my friend and through his son. God pursued Jacob and God pursued Paul and God is pursuing you. And, and there, in a real way, there's, at times, there's nothing you can do to really position yourself or increase the likelihood. Maybe it's just God is after you. He's pursuing you in divine initiative. But then also we know that there are times uh, where Jeremiah 29, 13 kicks in, where he says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a promise. It's a promise and all the promises of scripture are true. And, and divine encounter is not limited to our initiative but sometimes it can be uh, opened up through our willingness to pursue. There is no simple formula. God moves in different ways at different times with different people. But God's heart, God's heart for you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, God's heart for you today is to take you to a deeper place. I don't care how long you've been a believer. I don't care if you're not a believer at all. God's heart for you today is to take you to a deeper place with him. To a more intimate place with him. And sometimes he uses thin places to birth that. So I would say this. Pay attention. You want to know how to position yourself? Pay attention. Pay attention. Jacob wakes up and he says, this is the gate to heaven. You know what he could have said? Wow, that was a weird dream. How many times have you said that? How many times have you waked up and you had this incredible prophetic dream the night before and you go, wow, that was weird. And you just carry on. But Jacob didn't do that. He was aware he paid attention. He said, this is the gate to heaven. And he set up an altar to remember it. Paul has an encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And what does he do? He gets up and he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. Now, before you in your mind go to that place where you say, well, Tom, I mean, everybody would. You know, I mean, if I was on a horse going down Powder Spring Street and God knocked me off my horse and said, hey, go do this, of course I would do it. Well, before you jump there, let me just give you some examples of people who didn't. Lot's wife. Remember her? God said, don't look back. She looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. What about Cain? God was so kind to Cain that he said, hey, Cain, sin 
is crouching at your door. We had uh, Tammy, our missionary to India, was with us for, for five weeks in our house, and she brought her daughter, Aramay, with her. Well, we discovered shortly after their arrival that Aramay's favorite game is to hide behind stuff and scare people. <laughs> and so for five weeks, I mean, really? That's something you do the first day, right? For five weeks, every day, she's behind a door, behind, you know, around a corner, behind the refrigerator, wherever she can get. And she's jumping out to scare people. And she discovered pretty quickly that my wife scares real easily. And uh, I think it's because she's lived with me for so long that uh, scared is just a natural state for her. And so she's scared. She just kind of left me. She quit trying to scare me and she started scaring Melissa every day. And I wanted to say to Melissa, every time we entered the house, Melissa, be careful because Arame is crouching at the door. And that's what God is saying to Cain. Cain, sin is crouching at your door and he didn't pay attention. He didn't pay attention to the warning of the Lord, and he, and he kills his brother. Adam and Eve, I mean, how clearer could God be? Don't eat that fruit from that tree. But they ate that fruit from that tree. God said to the people of Israel, as they're moving through the desert, through the wilderness, I'm your God, I'm the only God. Don't worship any other God. Aaron says, hey, how about we make a golden calf? That would be cool. So they do that. God says to Solomon, don't marry foreign women. And Solomon says, she's cute. It's just the way it rolls. I would talk about King Saul, but I can't decide which story there's so many times God says to Saul, and he just, nah, going to go this way. What about Jonah? <laughs> God tells Jonah, go over here, tell these people. And Jonah says, nope, not going to do that. And he winds up in the belly of a fish. And God gets him out of the fish. He repents. He goes and does what God tells him to do, and he's still not happy. He's actually disappointed. And he says, see, I knew this would happen. I knew revival would break out if I went and did what you told me to do. And the list goes on and on and on. Be aware. Pay attention. And when God opens the door, don't hesitate. Go through it. When God provides the opportunity for you to engage, when God gives the invitation to you to go deeper, don't resist, don't hinder, don't push back, don't overthink. Give in to him, surrender to him, go where he's telling you to go, be who he's telling you to be, engage, pay attention and engage. And when you miss it, repent. When you miss it, repent. Listen to David from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, 
according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David had times where he missed it. That the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I believe that a part of that was that he carried a repentant heart. He didn't always see his mistakes right off the bat. He didn't. Nathan had to come to him and tell him a story to get him to see that he had actually messed up. But once he saw it, he was quick to repent and to put his heart before the Lord. So when you miss it, repent. A repentant heart paves the way for God to use the weak and the flawed and the human to accomplish his purposes. And then the last thing I'll say about the thin place, leave it. You have to be willing to leave it. That seems kind of weird, doesn't it? God calls us into the thin place, but he doesn't call us to stay there. He actually calls us to leave it. Jacob gets up and and he he recognizes this is a thin place. This is the gate of the Lord. This is a gate to heaven, but then he leaves and he continues on his journey. The best example probably probably that we have is Jesus is with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the glory of the Lord just explodes on this mountain. And and the disciples want to stay there. and, And I can promise you. That when you enter into a place of encounter, in that thin place with the Lord, your first reaction is going to be, God, let's stay here forever. Let's just build a tent. Let's build a tabernacle. Let's not go outside ever again. Let's stay here. Now, we can do some things. We can decorate it. Yeah, we can put air conditioning. We can do, you know, we can make it more comfortable, but let's stay here right? And Jesus said, let's go. Let's leave. Let's go down there. Have you noticed how many times the disciples said, let's stay here? And Jesus's response was, let's not. Let's leave. Let's go. If there's anything that's clear in scripture is that the call of God on us is to go. Rarely does God call us to stay. Sometimes he calls us to linger. Sometimes he calls us to wait. Sometimes he calls us to be still. But he always calls us to go, even if the going doesn't include a change in geographical location. You hear what I'm saying? It may be that God has rooted you in Cobb County, and you're going to be in Cobb County for the rest of your life. But he's still calling you to go. The go that he's calling you to is to go deeper with him. To experience more of him so that you have more of him to give away. The thin places are meant to transform us. It's not necessarily about the place. It's not about the event. It's about the purpose of the place. And the purpose of the thin place 
is to change you and to change me so that God can use us to birth change in other places. Now let's pray. Lord, we recognize today that in a very real sense, you have, you have torn the veil forever and that we live in your presence. We live in your presence because you live in us by the Holy Spirit. You are in us. But Lord, we also recognize that at times we settle for less than you have offered And I believe you use these thin places to accelerate us past that place of complacency into a deeper place. And so I pray today, if there are any in this room, any here who have settled into a place of comfort with you that is less than you want for them, I pray that today they would hear your call. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little deeper. Let me give you a little more. In Jesus' name, amen. In a minute, we're going to uh, receive communion uh, as a part of our uh, ministry time. And we'll we'll have teams who will be up here to pray. We'll have teams to serve. And the way it works is you you can come and receive communion at any time. You won't be directed. Uh, You can just come whenever you want to come. You may want to get prayer and then go for communion, or you may want to get communion and then go for prayer, and that's up to you. Uh, But we'll we'll have that available. Before we do that, I'm going to ask our servers to come and get ready. And then we're going to pray a prayer of confession together. I could throw that on the screen. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move here in this place today. We need to be changed. We want to be more like you. We open our hearts to you. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We invite our teams, prayer teams to come. Uh, If you want to receive communion before you go to your prayer station, feel free to do that. And as soon as the prayer teams are in place, then we'll open the front for for all who want to come for prayer. Again, let me just say, don't, if you feel the Lord tugging in your heart, shifting something in you, don't, don't resist him. Don't push back. Just give in. Give in. Let him have his way.
you won't be sorry.